Welcome to Choosing Hope, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. My name is Munira Pramji, and I am the host of this podcast. The vision of this podcast is to connect you with ordinary, everyday people from around the world. People who are making a difference. People who are contributing to their communities and the world in small and big ways through their ideas, their imagination, their challenges, their purpose, and their passion. Today's guest is Ursula Putinga. Let me tell you a little bit about Ursula. Ursula is a certified professional co-active coach and a certified neurotransformational coach. She is an international speaker and trains people in the US, Canada, and Europe in the area of transformational leadership and neuroscience. Ursula owns her own consulting business called Profound Growth, where she works with individuals and families on prosperity and legacy planning. She's also the co-founder of Be Above Leadership, which provides advanced coach training to experienced coaches in the areas of neuroscience, consciousness, and transformation. Ursula has co-authored a number of books and has written a book called Universal Intentions. I love the name of that book. When she's not traveling all over the world, she lives in Florida. And today, Ursula is going to take us through a topic that is near and dear to her heart. It is around the neuroscience of prosperity. It is about looking at prosperity from a very different lens. So welcome to the show, Ursula. I'm so delighted to have you and excited to explore this topic of prosperity with you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate so much the invitation and really love what you have picked out on out of this rather lengthy bio of mine. You really have uh, really taken the golden nuggets. And one of that is uh, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I love that you picked that out uh, because it's really through my own journey of looking at abundance and prosperity and then bringing in the neuroscience into it all has really, really created a lot of excitement and curiosity for me around this topic. I'm very excited to unpack that with you for our listeners. Amazing. So when I think about prosperity, the first thing that comes to my mind is money and I see dollar signs. Yeah. That you look at prosperity in a whole different way. So how would you define it? Yeah, I love that because I think uh, that is what most people think when they uh, read my, you know, subtitle and, you know, and all that, because I think uh, generally when we think about prosperity, we think money, but prosperity and abundance is so much more. It's, you know, an abundance of love and respect, prosperity in the area of great relationships, of purpose, of a thriving business, adventure love and compassion. I mean, whatever it is that people want more of to create a rich and fulfilling life, that I think is the true description of uh, abundance. You know, I know people that have lots of money, but are not necessarily fulfilled or happy or at peace. And then I know people that are happy and fulfilled and at peace, but they have bills piling, you know, piling up. And so really trying to combine these two fields is, you know, is exciting and, um, and quite interesting. So what I'm hearing you say is prosperity is really about who we can be as human beings. It's about an integrated way 
of looking at our lives and not just financial. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you use the word integrate, uh, integrated life, uh, you know, from a neuroscience perspective. We talk a lot about brain integration. And it is interesting that you pick up on that because brain integration um, is, the, is a key to manifesting prosperity. And what I mean by brain integration is you know, when you think about the various aspects of your brain, your heart, your gut, your body, this whole system, all those system pieces, those puzzle pieces, when they are all fit in together and talk to each other, you get this very calm, open, clear state of being that exists in your brain as well as in your heart and in your body. And I think from there, we can really create magic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that magic. So when all of our systems, the gut, the brain, when everything is integrated, what happens to us? So when the, the, when the various pieces of the brain talk to each other, we get uh, various neurotransmitters and a biochemical response that helps our brain and our bodies to just feel calmer we have access then to higher levels of effectiveness because our the brain and the heart and the gut and the body and all those pieces, they're not fighting with each other, but they're working together as a team. So let me give you an example that I use in prosperity in the creation and the manifestation process quite a bit. So the, we have two neural networks in the brain. One is the task positive network and the other one is the default mode network. The task network is really about intense focus and working on something right here, right now. It's like spreadsheets and emails and writing and, you know, being very specifically externally focused. And the default mode network is a lot more about pondering, reflection, the past, the future, visioning, imagining what other people are feeling. And it's just this very different space, you know, in the brain. And in order to manifest abundance, you need both. So there are in some prosperity abundance programs or projects, you know, it's, it's, there can be this false belief that as long as we just visualize and manifest and sit on the couch and dream and ponder and dream and imagine, it will bring prosperity into our lives. Well, that's the default mode network, but unless you activate the task positive network and you get, you know, into your office or out into the world and you start taking action steps on a daily basis to make that happen, nothing is going to happen. And so that is one piece of brain integration. You need both networks to manifest just one and just doing, doing, doing isn't going to do it. You need to have a dream and a vision. But if you have a dream and a vision and you never do anything about it, that's also not going to do it. So that's one piece of brain integration that I use quite a bit in my prosperity work to help people get unstuck. So what I'm hearing you say is there is the being part and there is the doing part. Yes. I know for me personally, I happen to spend a lot of time in the do. And it takes a little bit of effort for me to kind of be in the being state. But what you're saying is that unless the two are talking to each other, yes, can't really figure out 
what that prosperity can look like for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very well said. They need to talk to each other. So if you are, so if you're a listener that is a doing, doing, doing person, you might realize that when you do the doing <laughs> too much, you come to a place where, you know, everything kind of feels dry and uninspirational. And it really, I mean, I know for myself, it sort of gives me a headache. I start a headache right here between my eyes and in my shoulders. That's always a sign that I've been doing too much. And what your brain then needs is a rest. And so the default mode network is the brain at rest. It is when we're not thinking about anything specific, but we kind of let our mind wander. Right. In this wandering space, so think about being in the shower. I hear from many of my clients, oh, I get my best ideas in the shower. Right. Well, right. So when you're in the shower, that's default mode network time because, you know, you've washed your hair, you know, a hundred thousand times. It doesn't need any thinking or any concentration. So you can let your brain just wander. In front of you, you know, you can go to what you might be having for lunch or what you're thinking about this project. And in that moment, because you are not externally focused intensely on something, these ideas can come. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really good example of saying if you want to access creativity, you have to let your, your brain wander and you have to give your brain a rest. Mm, I hear you. And along those lines, would you say that prosperity would be different for each individual? So what you would see as prosperity might be different from what I might see? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the interesting thing about, you know, this whole concept of uh, creating uh, prosperity and abundance. The first step to that is being really clear of what you want personally. I often say to my clients, what we want to create is the life that's a perfect fit for you. Mm, I love life, that. Yeah, not the life that someone else wants for you, not the life that somebody else says you should have, but the life that is uniquely a unique fit to your heart's desire, to the energy, to what you're wanting for yourself and other people in the world. And that can be a very simple life or it can be a bigger life. Um, so here, yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of the cultural pressures, I think, that we face, maybe particularly in the Western world, certainly in the United States, the pressure of bigger and more and better. Bigger is better. And I have come across that in my business, especially as the co-founder of Be Above Leadership, I lead it with my amazing best buddy and business partner, Anne Betts. And we have often been told, oh, you know, you should be, you should have, you should, and so on. You know, you should be bigger. You should have, you know, offices all over the world. You should have a marketing and whatever employee. And every time when people say to us, we should be bigger, Anne and I look at each other and we go, should we? <laughs> should we really? Why should we? We are perfectly happy in this size. We, we call ourselves a boutique company. We are small and we have no desire to add to our lives the complexity and complications and stresses, at least as experienced by us, of a big company. Hmm. So we have really looked at 
what is the feel, what is the experience we want to have on a daily basis in our lives? And we have said we want space, spaciousness, calmness, peace, room for everything, fun, joy, really choosing what we want to do. And so these feelings and this experience has given us a roadmap to what we want to create in the external world. And so this is what I call experience, the feel, the emotions versus form. And the form is the business model. Oh, my goodness. You know, what you're saying resonates so tremendously for me. So really, it's being completely clear about what you want to experience. And it seems like there's a tie into your values. Yes. And then figuring out from a form perspective, how to create those experiences. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in my previous life, many, many years ago, before, you know, coaching like 25 years ago, I was for about seven or eight years, I was a real estate agent. And uh, in Toronto, Canada, where, where we lived at the time. And what was interesting about that for me was that people came to me wanting uh, a certain house. And what it usually boiled down to in my conversation was, you know, three bedrooms, two bathroom, main floor family room, not a corner lot in such and such a district. That sounds like uh, the kind of client I would have been. Yeah. And, and that's all form. That's got nothing to do with how you want to feel as you open the front door and enter the house. It's got nothing to do with the light filtering in through the windows or the, the garden that is just so and the trees or the lack thereof. You know, maybe what you want to feel like is you can't be bothered with gardening and all you want is a little patio garden with a few pots on it. Or a balcony, you know. So it's it's really in my job as a real estate agent, I really try to get people away from form. But tell me, so what is the experience? What are the emotions of breakfast, of waking up, of playing, of parties, you know, of social gatherings that you want to have? And once I have that, we're going to find the form that matches that experience. And it might not be a two-story or one-story. It might be a corner lot house that right now you don't want. But you will walk in and you go, oh, that is the light filtering through the windows. Yeah, that is the patio garden with the pots and not three acres. So it's, it's interesting to look at life from this emotional place versus this is the structure. I, I love that metaphor of the house. You know, uh, from a place of vulnerability, I will share with you that uh, in the last few years, I've struggled with three advanced cancers. And until that point, my life was very much about form. It was about how much money I was making and I was, you know, making a comfortable income. It was around the title. It was around the badge of honor of requiring very little sleep and, uh, being able to, against all odds, do brilliant work every moment of every day. Yes. And the world, you know, really through this horrible curveball. Curveballs, yeah, that's exactly what it was for me. 
And uh, all of a sudden, I I didn't have that life anymore. And I had to go about creating my yes. own life. And I didn't have language for that until you spoke about form and experience. But in a strange way, that's exactly what I did. I started to think about, well, I can't go back to the way it was. I, I just can't. So now I need to figure out how I want to feel. And uh, and it's it's quite crazy. But I also went through the the activity of being very, very clear about what it is that I wanted, you know, in the limited time that I, I believed I had. Yes. Living my life accordingly. Yeah. And talk about really focusing and honing in on what is important. We were talking about values earlier on, uh, you know, a huge uh, health challenge like that really, really, I think, makes you look very deeply at, at what is important to you. So what did you discover in regards to experiences? What did you want to experience that felt very different from your previous life? I think the, the first realization, and this actually came back, came quite quickly, is I realized that there were three or four things that were critical in my life. One was family, you know, one was service, one was around travel. You know, there were three or four really key things that were important. And I recognized that a lot of the other pieces were just sheer noise. Yes. So I then started uh, focusing, you know, community. Community was a very big one. I, I don't think I used the, the language community until this point. And uh, I have to admit that somehow, somewhere along the way, I have discovered such tremendous joy in the way I live today, which I didn't have even though in my previous life, pre-cancer, even though materially I had everything. Yes. And this is such a great example. And I think that is really um, sort of the mission. <laughs> the mission that I am on is looking beyond beyond the title, the corner office, the size of the house, the income, the, you know, the all the forms and what it should look like and really look deep within and redefine for people what is success look like for you? What is the unique fit, you know, that is that fits for, you know, your life. I used the form and experience uh, sort of tool f about four years ago, um, almost for two years together with my husband. So um, five years ago, we had our first granddaughter. And at the time we lived in Florida full time, my husband runs hotels. And so he was, you know, um, running hotels in Florida. And, you know, I had my consulting and coaching business. Well, and then Kennedy was born. And as you probably can imagine that when your first grandchild rolls around and they don't live in Florida, but they live in Minneapolis, all of a sudden your whole world, you know, looks different. Yes. It's, you know, it was a very different perspective. And uh, so I said to my husband, well, now that Kennedy is born, I really, I really want to feel that we are part of her life and she is part of our life. I want to have a deep, relationship with my grandchildren. I said, I don't want to live like my mother who lived in Germany and we spent all our married life abroad. And so she saw her grandkids maybe once a year. And it was very painful for her. I know that because she very often shared that with me. And so I said to my husband, I don't want to live like my mother. And 
he loved the house that we lived in in Florida. It was sort of his dream house. He often called it like his dream house and would often say to me, oh, look at it. Isn't it beautiful? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it took me two years of gentle conversation with my husband going, yeah, but what is the experience you want? Well, what is the feeling? <laughs> and as these grandkids are getting older, what is the feel you want? What's the experience you want? So after two years of sounding like a darn broken record, he came home one day um, and he said, you know, this whole form and experience thing, it's really resonating. And it was interesting. We had just come back from a trip to Italy where we had rented a little old house, you know, in the vineyards of Tuscany. And while we were there, I was saying to my husband, you know, this is, I'm in my happy place. I, there was this little window looking out over the vineyards in this beautiful little village. And it was so peaceful and the smells and sounds of Italy. And I said to him, how big do you think this house is? And he laughed and he looked at me. He said, well, it's probably the quarter of the size of the house that where we live in right now. And I said, well, isn't that interesting? This house is small, but I'm in my happy place. And when we came back from that trip from Italy, we sold our house and bought a 40-foot camper that we now have in Florida. Okay. A townhouse, a small townhouse in Minneapolis. We split the money and said, okay, we can live in a camper in the wintertime in Florida and we can live in Minneapolis in the summertime. That is not about form. Because nobody, I was saying to my husband, nobody in their wildest dreams at our age would say, you are totally crazy. You're selling this house and you're moving where? Into a camper? Are you insane? <laughs> but it was experience. It was just connection and joy and grandchildren and, and living this life of two places in the form you know, it was like, well, that suits us. Doesn't have to suit you. This suits us. And how does your husband feel about all this? Well, you know, what is really interesting about that? He had such a, you know, he, he was really, he was grieving his home in Florida. And now we've lived now in this townhouse in Minneapolis for about two years. And not a week ago, he was saying to me, you know, I could live here again year round. <laughs> wow. I looked at him and I said, no, you're insane. I'm not living here in the winter. No, we're not doing that. But it was quite interesting that he is in this experience now of deep connection, of joy, of family, of sharing time. He is in the experience. And so the form now is just like, yeah, I, I can do this now. <laughs> it's such a fabulous example. So, um Ursula, yeah. I'm sure that what the listeners would love to hear about now is what is the first step? Uh, you yeah. talked about being clear about what it is that you want, but how do you start? What is the baby step that you take toward that? Yes, I love that. So I think it's, it's really looking at, think about what's missing. You know, people come to me because there's a piece of prosperity and abundance that's missing. It's either financial or love or respect or, you know, business or something or family or whatever it might be, or maybe even a love relationship. So it's really be clear of what's missing. It's easier for the brain to look at what is not working than trying to figure out what you want. 
I mean, mm -hmm. some of you might know, oh, this is what I want. But it is easier to look at this is not working for me and then working backwards. So if you are, uh, you know, overworked, overwhelmed, stressed, you can say, I don't want that. Then look at the flip side of that coin and go. So instead of overwhelmed, stressed out and overwhelmed, what do I want? I want maybe ease. Maybe you want freedom. Uh, maybe you want flexibility. And that will give you a bigger sort of view of what you can create versus sort of coming out of the starting blocks and going, well, what do you will want? I mean, most of my clients go, I have no idea what I want. I know what I don't want. Mm. So, you know, that is a really great baby step is, you know, write about it, make a list. You know, I, I use uh, my clients make a sort of a left hemisphere, common, left, common, common and right column of it on a piece of paper I don't want this therefore I want that and I want to encourage everybody to not look at I don't want this job in this company think about the feeling that you don't want that mm -hmm. this job this company is giving you because remember it's not about form so a job even the boss the company this is just form so it's looking at what are the emotions, what are the experiences you're not wanting, and what do you want instead? I think that is a great place to start. And would you recommend that people start with one thing, one aspect of their life? So for instance, if, uh, if someone is in a job that they don't like for whatever reason, is that where they start? Or would you recommend that individuals do this looking at their whole life in totality? I, I would probably suggest to um, start with one area. It is too overwhelming for the brain to hold all these different pieces at the same time. It can get very overwhelming. It can get very chaotic. Um, that is actually a sort of the, the ineffective aspect of the right hemisphere. So the right hemisphere looks at the big picture and takes everything in. So basically, if you look at the forest, it sees everything. All the trees, branches, animals, everything. That's right hemisphere. The right hemisphere sees the world. The left hemisphere looks at the specific. So if you look at too much, it can get just too overwhelming that the brain really goes into this more chaotic and anxious place. So look at one thing that is far past more calming to the brain and it is easier to manage and easier to handle and very often what shows up in this one area then can be sort of duplicated and transferred into the next area um, mm. and, and expand that picture big, making it bigger and bigger like a flower unfolding over time but to begin with do one thing start with one area of your life that you feel you want to manifest something that's different and how often would you recommend uh, people do this activity? This is a really good question. You know, there are some people that like more structure. So, you know, if you're a journaler, if you, you know, if you maybe record, uh, you know, insights and wisdom, you know, find a structure that works for you. 
I am more of a person that is sort of has a notebook uh, next to my bedside, you know, next to my living room. Because when I activate the default mode network, when my brain starts wandering, that's when the, the ideas come. So I just jot them down. I come out of the shower, race to my desk and write down what is next. So it really depends on the person. Some people like the structure of weekly or daily, and some people just like a structure where it's a lot more flowing. So you need to determine and figure out what. One more question around that piece, and that is uh, based on the work that you've done with the clients that you have, what are some of the the biggest challenges Mm. ahead that you might be able to share with us? Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that I think it is it is a really really big piece that I work on in my work with uh, with people on prosperity abundance are the beliefs that we have grown up with. So think about your brain as a system of roads. You know there are pathways, and we call them neural pathways, that are being um, wired into your brain from childhood and the more you think about that or believe it take action on that the stronger that roadway will become until it is a super highway some of these super highways serve us and some of these super highways don't and so i work with people around the super highway of worthiness Am I worthy of more? Am I worthy of abundance? Am I worthy of joy? Am I worthy of less? You know, is, is, are there some internal conversations that are going on that actually stop you from believing that you can have the life that fits you? And that, I think, is a, that is a journey um, that's really a journey of discovery um, so again, one small step would be thinking about how did you grow up? Did you have family, parents, teachers that would encourage you to go after your dreams? Or did you have people in your life that would say, go to university, find a good job and make money? Because that's what you need. You know, you might have been encouraged to become a lawyer and there's nothing wrong with being a lawyer, but your heart might have been set on being an artist. That these are very, very different ways of living life. And so that, uh, how we grow up and the messages we get and that get wired into our brain from an early age are really huge pieces to work on to uncouple that um, and to disentangle that and really look at, yes, I am worth the life that is a unique fit for me. Does this make sense to you? Yeah, uh, totally. You know, what I'm hearing you say, the stuff that's coming up for me are things like, you know, it's a state of mind. It is, it's a state of being. It is about how we grew up. It's about exploring. It's about discovery. It's about figuring out the kind of life that will make us fully alive. And we figure that out, you know, the experience that we want, then it's about what is the form that that will take to realize it. And that abundance is not just about sitting and visualizing and dreaming. There's work required. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's uh, it's evolving and it takes time, but it's worth the effort. 
is is absolutely is if you keep your eye on the prize as they say then you know really great things will happen in this combination of inspiration you know i call it inspired action it doesn't just become you know an action to do list uh, the to do list is being scrapped it's like you create your inspired action list so it's it's also about energy following the energy of that inspiration what is next and following what your heart is telling you what your body is telling you and not you know using good old shoulds at all times no i should really do this but saying what is inspiring to you right now at this moment um that will move your dream into the next phase well i got to tell you i am pretty darn inspired <laughs> tracking that you know to really take well another about inspired i mean i am inspired by by you and you know i think this whole topic of hope that uh, really you are talking about is really um i really see a really big connection here because hope is also about change and hope is around neuroplasticity strangely enough that anything that we have ever believed we couldn't do from a brain perspective is not true we can rewire any habit any belief that we have ever had in our lives because our brains can be rewired through intentional action and thoughts and dreaming so talk about your your topic of you know inspiring hope um it is absolutely possible there isn't anything that you that we can't create with community and with spirit there isn't anything that we can't do well along those lines if you had a magic wand and could <laughs> for anything what might you hope for what might i hope for oh that is such a great question you know my hope for the world right now is <laughs> to find a solution to covid-19 where and we are in 2020 we're in the middle of the coronavirus crisis my my wish and and hope and dream is to travel again a little bit more and really take my work into families where conflict is often around money and building a legacy um you know, my dream would be that families and individuals are encouraged to take that on you know to create the life that fits because i think it will make everybody happier it would make the world happier yes happy yep. and given that this um podcast is really about ordinary people doing extraordinary things as you are i must ask you this question who is your role model mm. oh boy oh boy that's really a tough one you know i don't have i don't believe in sort of you know putting a well known famous person you know even the so called spiritual teachers i don't believe in you know for me personally it doesn't work it might work for other people but for me personally it does not you know putting them on a pedestal and having them as my role model because i don't know them well enough so as my my good buddy and would say you know i can't have a role model and unless i know what they're doing on a daily basis with their life so i think one role model so i have two one role model would be my husband because he really knows this whole concept about that that is about prosperity and generosity he is the most 
generous, giving person that I know. He is completely unattached as it relates to money. Money comes, money goes. Sometimes we have it, sometimes we don't. He trusts it will always be there. And I mean, it is inspiring. He has taught me so much about that. That um, is an abundant mindset, isn't exactly. it? I mean, the, I, I see this now. I have this person in front of me on a daily basis. I tell you, it's been life-changing because I did not used to be like that. And then there is, of course, Anne, who my business partner and good friend, who shows me on a daily basis how to tackle the hard questions, how to be unafraid, how to be a completely... The, the metaphor that comes to mind, throw your arms around the world and give it a big hug. It, it, there's so much um, joyous, abundant giving and living in her. It is just um, incredibly inspiring. And then I would say that the last part is I take my, my spiritual inspiration from, from spirit um, and that prayerful connection to spirit that I I have personally has helped me to let go of things that I can't control, which is another big piece about, you know, creating prosperity is letting go of things that you just don't have no control over. God, I really hope you have an opportunity to touch so many people as you travel the world, because what you are prescribing here, I think, is a recipe for happiness. It's a recipe for um, living the life that you were designed to live individually. So thank you so much for a wonderful message, I think, for all of us. I, I am really quite inspired. Really appreciate the way you've helped us look at abundance and prosperity in a different way. And to learn more about the work that uh, Ursula does, you know, you can follow her on her website, which is www.profoundgrowth.com. Any last words, uh, Ursula? Oh, absolutely. I want to thank you. You bring such a loving energy uh, to this world, including these interviews. Um, it has been so fun. You've made it so easy. I am so deeply appreciative to having this conversation with you. Uh, you're a beautiful listener, and I cannot tell you my heart is full, and I am I am blessed to have met you and have you in my life. So deep, deep, deep. Wow. Thank you. My heart is very full now as well. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you like what you heard, click the subscribe button to listen to more episodes. And if you are an ordinary person doing extraordinary things and want to be a guest on this show, message me on my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feed. In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. Hope is the spark that ignites us to move forward and make things happen. 